Good afternoon. Welcome to the Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, where music and culture ignite. I'm Professor Floros, and ex I'm excited to welcome into the classroom this week Spencer Long, the Director of the Office of Student Leadership and Civic Engagement here at UIC. So let's get started in the Politics Classroom on Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. Welcome back to the Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, streaming live on radio.uic.edu. I'm Professor Floros, and you can reach me on Twitter at Dr. Floros. You can also check out my infrequent blog postings on the UIC Radio blog, as well as reviews and musings by the students who make UIC Radio great. And the blog is the only student publication left on campus. So if you want to hear student voices, that's where you should look. Joining me in the classroom today is Spencer Long, the director of UIC's Office of Student Leadership and Civic Engagement. Spencer earned his Bachelor of Science in Education and Master of Arts degrees from Central Michigan University, and he is currently working on his Doctor of Education degree at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Before moving to the Office of Student Leadership and Civic Engagement, Spencer served as a resident director in UIC's campus housing, arriving here on campus in 2013. Before coming to UIC, Spencer held residence life positions at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse. Spencer Long, it's an honor to welcome you into the politics classroom today. Hey, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here. So I went to a small liberal arts college decades ago, and I can now put the plural on that. And we didn't have anything like your office on our campus. Um, how common are offices like yours on college and university campuses? Yeah, I mean, it's not a super common occurrence that it happens at a lot of schools. Most of the time at larger schools, they are able to have standalone offices. But when you get into smaller schools, they're one part of someone's job in a multitude of jobs or it's one position in a, in a unit. So um, like, for instance, at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse, where I was at before, this position might be within like a center of student involvement here at UIC instead of its own kind of standalone area with its own dedicated staff and resources. So it might be part of something or a lot of the work may be leadership happens in one area, service happens in another area, and the civic work may be left to people in the academic side of the house. So uh, it really just depends on the type of university. And how long has your office, did the office precede you, or is this a relatively new creation? Yeah, I think the, uh, I don't know exactly how long the office has been around, but I know it's been around longer than I've been here. Okay. All right. So is, the, is most of the demand for, uh, and we're going to talk later about the areas that you focus on, but is the most of the demand coming from the university in attempts to engage the students, or is there a lot of student demand for the kinds of activities and workshops that your office runs? Yeah, I would I would say it's probably a combination of both. I think at some point this office was created from a student demand, um, but then there's also a university benefit as well, right? So if we're educating people on being better leaders and taking them out into society, that's a reflection of UIC, right? When we're doing service in the community, it's obviously a benefit for our students to learn in partnership with community, but then at the same time, UIC is out there showing, hey, we, we, we do have a presence, we do care about our neighbors, and we want to make our community better, right? And then on the civic engagement side, which we'll get into more, um, we're, we're working on instilling these lifetime values of being an active citizen to being engaged in your community, and that may mean more than, more than just 
doing service. It may be voting. It may be running for political office. It may mean advocating for people in your community. There's a wide range of things that we focus on uh, in our office. Okay. And so one of the things that I know is going on in our university is that UIC has applied, I think that's the right verb, for a Carnegie Community Engagement Classification. So I know that you weren't directly involved in this, but can you give us a five-second rundown about what that what that is and what that would mean for the university to get that classification? Yeah, so I think it's no different than any kind of other designation that the university may receive. It's just, again, showing a commitment that the university is more intentionally putting in place practices that show that we are engaged in community, right? So uh, there are mechanisms all the way from how we promote and tenure faculty members to how we're doing research in community, how we're partnering to solve community problems, right? So our, our, our chancellor said it many times. He likes to think of us more than just the University of Illinois at Chicago, but the University of Illinois for Chicago. Okay. And so that's really kind of, I believe, this mechanism to do that. So I guess it's, a, I'll call it street cred, right? It's, it's okay. more of this idea of like, we're actually not just talking the talk, but we're walking the walk. And here, here's the, here is the, uh, essentially here's the paper. Here is the, the supporting documents to show that we're actually doing this. And so that involves colleges that involves out of the classroom experiences that involves people who are just doing research in communities. So it's a very broad, very broad, both breadth and depth in what we're doing with community. So Again, it will just show, I think, everybody this bigger commitment. Um, like, for instance, Urbana-Champaign has the designation, mm-hmm. um, as well as some, uh, I don't know, others in the city that have it, but it's kind of one of those research one kind of checkboxes that a lot of universities are working towards right now to show, right? It's an exercise to show the commitment, right? We're doing it, right, whether we have the designation or right. not. So the designation, I think, is there just to show to people um, and it, it could mean a multitude of things if we get it right. It may open doors to research dollars. It may open mm. doors to external funders in a variety of ways and maybe what we're doing outside of the classroom as well. So I think the possibilities of it could could mean a potential for a lot of things. Okay, and bragging rights. And bragging rights, right? It's never a bad thing to go to a donor and say, hey, in addition to all these things, like this is how we're doing it. And so, again, to have the, the, the document to be able to go back and people have taken time to actually reflect on that to say, wow, we're actually doing a lot. Um, and here's our unified effort, right? When you're talking about now 16 colleges plus all the units that are working outside of the classroom, it is uh, a true effort to kind of get everyone in one document showing uni- unifiedly like how we're doing this work. Mm. And so was part of that the UIC Civic Action Plan, uh, was that part of this classification endeavor, or is that something separate? Yeah, there's kind of two action plans, right? So there's a Civic Action Plan that's related to uh, work that we did um, when we became part of Campus Compact. The university was part of Campus Compact. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, so Campus Compact is a... um, a professional organization, we'll call it a chancellor's president organization. Okay. So the chancellor president joins the organization as part of their professional organizations. They are then part of a group of folks that um, meets and collaborates and it opens doors to the university. So like part of 
being in Canvas Compact is we get a Newman Fellow every year, which is a student who gets to go nationally to a conference and work with other students around civic topics. But there's an action plan on a set of priorities that were set forth by Campus Compact. So there's one action plan for that. And then we have our other, what I'll call voting plan, if you will, how we're engaging in the space around elections. So there's kind of three, they're all interconnected in some mm-hmm. ways. Um, there are pieces of our voting plan that are in the action plan and part of the action plan that's in Carnegie. Um, but I would say Carnegie is kind of the umbrella that has a whole bunch of different, if you think like tree roots. Mm-hmm. And so you get down one route and you get to this action plan and then you get to the other route, which is more specifically about voting. Okay. And so that's kind of how it all works up to the big tree. Lots of jargon, lots of university administrivia, if you will. Yeah. And where on the uh, tree roots do you hang out? Yeah, I'm across da- all of them. Yeah, just a little bit enough to be dangerous. I mean, okay. um, <laughs> the part that's around the voting is I'm uh, the prima. I'll, I'll say the champion of that. We we have a civic action, uh, a civic engagement core group that meets once a month. That really drove the efforts of of that plan and getting that created. You know, when I started in the job, there was really no effort at the university unilaterally to to make that happen and okay. so it was happening in pockets and so we just kind of shepherd everyone's ideas to get into this original action plan the success from that plan is what has kind of led to the other pieces coming into play like well we did that well i wonder if we can do this other thing nice. oh wow we did that okay i wonder if we can do this other thing right so it's just getting, so your success is just creating more work for you that's pretty much right yeah no okay yeah. And so when do we, um, do you know when we're going to find out whether we have, re, you know, been certified or classified uh, with this Carnegie designation? Yeah, so from what I'm hearing, I was in a meeting just a couple hours ago that we got an update on the Carnegie, and we're just, sounds like we'll know within the next six weeks at the latest. So before the end of the semester, we should have an idea one way or the other where we stand, and I'm sure there's some public uh, release date once we find out about and that kind of goes across the board when when universities are able to announce that they've gotten the designation and hopefully there will be a party oh i'm sure there will be yeah okay yeah fantastic okay so i want to um, bear down specifically on your office um which has a really long name the office of student leadership and civic engagements engagement uh and i guess you uh, abbreviate it slce yeah. So, um, and it's actually not the longest the name has been when I first <laughs> when I first started here. The office name was Student Leadership and Volunteer Services, and so Student Leadership Development and Volunteer Services. Oh my goodness! And so, um, you know, one of my biggest my first questions was, what does that mean anymore? Mm-hmm. And um, so we were able to work through a, a renaming, um, and this is where we kind of fell fell in that aspect, but. Yeah, so essentially we are responsible for three buckets of things. That's the way I kind of compartmentalize it in my head is we have we have a leadership bucket, we have a volunteering and community service bucket, and then we have a civic learning democratic engagement bucket. And so that's kind of where the different entities in our office lie. Is uh, Let me just swerve off for a second. Is the use of the metaphor of buckets something that higher ed administrators learn in schools? No, 
Okay. I, I think it just happens because that's the way it makes sense in my head. Okay. No, I, because um, during the faculty union contract negotiations, the provost talked about buckets of money. And so I'm sitting here laughing to myself, remembering I, I the joy of bargaining. All I can picture is Bozo's, uh, the grand prize game where they're throwing the little ping pong balls in, the old, uh, old show on uh, WGN. Sorry. Out of context for you. Yeah. I'm not from Chicago. So if it was, if I should have seen that during my youth, I didn't. Okay. So I I have written out your your mission statement here. And and I'm just going to read it because I don't understand some of the words. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm hoping you can help me with it. Okay. So the mission of the SLCE is to provide student-centered co-curricular leadership and service programming that facilitates diverse and inclusive collaboration self-awareness, and socially just community engagement, while encouraging personal and professional development, active citizenship, cultural humility, and transformational growth. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful, and it sounds like liberal indoctrination. Okay. Is that... <laughs> well, how would you counter? I mean, right, like um, cultural humility. Yeah. Right? So, that sounds pretty controversial. Well, you know, I think we're just getting this idea of when we go into communities and do service work, we're going to somebody else's community. Right. Like I live in Portage Park. If I'm going to North Lawndale, I don't live in the North Lawndale community every day. So it's this idea of going into a community with some humility like. Hey, I don't understand your day to day. I don't understand the values of your community, but being kind of culturally aware, like, hey, this is a different place than what I live in. So some of the cultural norms may be different. So it's just really taking an appreciation to meet people where they're at. Right. I can't come in and say all of my values are more, most important all of the time. Right. There may be certain day to day things that happen in Portage Park that don't happen in North Lawndale. Right. And so when I go in, I want to have this idea of being humble, like this idea of checking myself to understand where I'm at, but then also taking this appreciation to understand the culture and the day-to-day things that happen um, within that neighborhood. So, yeah, we just call it offering opportunities to to engage in self-reflection that build the ability to adapt to differences. So working across cultures essentially is what we're trying to do. So it's this idea of being open, if you will, and and, and, uh, uh, meeting people really where they're at. Do you find that students struggle with that? Uh, From time to time, yes. Um, We do talk about that in a lot of – it's mostly in the service setting, right? So Mm -hmm. you get this like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to save the day, right? And so – and really not everyone needs saving, right? Or you you have to really understand the root cause of why some of these organizations exist, and that's really what that – part of the mission statement is is that anything we do we're really going to take in a context of the community in which we're serving right anytime we reach out to community partners to do service work we're always asking what can we do to help in your in your community or what types of things do you need help with versus saying hey you know from an outsider's perspective it really looks like you need help with that where the community is like nope we're good thank you Mm -hmm. so it's really this idea of being um being uh truly you know, being a partner, right? Like I don't ever want to go in and tell somebody what they need to have done. We really want to do things that are helping to be a benefit to them. Okay. And what about socially just community engagement? Yeah. So I think we're just trying to 
this idea of equity and fairness and advocating, right? So it's in it's in our definition of leadership as well. So mm-hmm. we talk about leadership as the process of facilitating positive change, right? So that's how we approach our, our work. And so we see being socially just in that perspective as well. So we're not just going to one neighborhood every time, or we're not just going to one cause and everything that we do. We're really trying to, what I call, provide the liberal arts of service opportunities. We're trying to create this wide scope to to kind of help people in all areas and target where we're going right if we know there is other universities in town that are concentrating their efforts in areas we may concentrate ourselves in other areas to again this idea of equality and social socially just work in that aspect and we're going to come back to service uh in just a minute but is it normally community partners that reach out to UIC or is it your office going out into the community or is it students who bring ideas? Yes. All of uh, the above. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, that's you know, great. M- mostly, um, you know, we communicate, we have about 700 plus different contacts for nonprofits around the Chicagoland area. And so uh, about two or three times a semester, we'll reach out to them to say, Hey, here's the great things that we're doing. Thanks for your help. Also, we're looking for projects on these specific dates, right? So not all nonprofits are set up to do service days. Not sure. all nonprofits are set up to have students come and help, right? You have after-school tutoring that is more one-on-one, ongoing, right? So we, we also then have nonprofits who say, hey, we need these tutors. And so we'll post them up on our site, service.uic.edu. Students can go. We have over 100 of those nonprofits have opted in. And they just load their stuff up on their own. Our students have access to that at any time. So they go on their own. They say, yep, I want this really transactional uh, volunteer experience. Like I go out and I help with the hot chocolate 5K that just happened this last weekend, for instance. Good. Go. Feel good. Do my couple hours of volunteering. And then I go home. Or we all the way to the I'm fully engaged. I'm going every day of the week for an hour to tutor after school or go to a hospital for or a nursing home or I'm doing stuff. I'm sitting on a board for, I have a, I have a student who's, who we, I just met with last week, who's trying to get in um, to more intimately engaged with the anti-cruelty society because mm-hmm. her passion is working with animals. And so again, providing opportunities through our community partners that we can say, Hey, I've got this great student how do we do this? Right. And so we really do try to make that open dialogue. Sometimes it's us asking, sometimes it's them asking. Sometimes students are saying, Hey, like I really want to do X, Y, Z. Um, we do, um, make Mondays matter the first Monday of the month. And, uh, we have students all the time saying, Hey, can we do blank? Sure. Let's see who needs it. Or do you have a nonprofit? And a lot of times the students on those occasions will actually go out and do all the fundraising with other students, or we'll be able to uh, help with resources around uh, making some of those activities happen but it's all a lot of times um, our most successful make monday matters are student driven because then they're peer-to-peer able to get more people versus hey we've got this activity we mm-hmm. came up with um or a nonprofit says hey you really could be a huge help if you could do blank and that's what we do so okay i definitely want to talk more about that but Uh, We are going to take a quick break. Uh, My guest today is Spencer Long, Director of the UIC Office of Student Leadership and Civic Engagement. I'm Professor Floros, and you're listening to The Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, where music and culture ignite. Welcome back to The Politics Classroom on UIC Radio, streaming live at radio.uic.edu. 
I'm Professor Floros, and I'm joined in the classroom by Spencer Long, the director of the UIC Office of Student Leadership and Civic Engagement. So uh, we started talking a little bit about service before the break, and so I wanted to jump back into that. So that's one of your buckets. So does what qualifies as service? Is it any kind of volunteering, or does it have to be on specific topics? Yeah, so we're uh, we're probably pretty liberal in our definition of service. So we we talk about services uh, anytime given to any kind of nonprofit. So that could be affiliated with UIC. It could be affiliated with a an organization in a student's neighborhood. It could be could be tied to a classroom. In some cases, we have you know some classes that are service learning uh, focused, and so they may actually get service hour credit or credit for service while they're in the classroom. So. Uh, it, it, it just as long as it benefits a nonprofit in our eyes is something that we would count. OK. And so you mentioned um, Make Mondays Matter. Can you talk a little bit about what those are and how many students you have participate in that? And uh, again, a little bit more about how the projects are selected. Yeah. So we uh, we const- we started Make Mondays Matter about four years ago now. Um one of the things that I noticed when I started in the job is there was really a void for, we have, what, 85% of our students commute. And so I realized, hey, there may not be an opportunity for everyone to commute to a project on a Saturday or their schedules may not allow mm-hmm. that. So what can we do here on campus? And there was actually a book uh, that I had when I was a hall director at lacrosse that was called make Mondays, something about Mondays mattering. And so that's where we came up with the concept. And so they had 52 ideas in the book of how you could make Mondays matter. Uh, it's more of a book for at home. So like some of the ideas is on this Monday, check your smoke detectors. <laughs> and on this Monday, like make, yeah. a, make a Monday actually matter. But we've turned it into a, a concept for giving service back. And so sometimes we're making uh, fleece tie blankets that then get donated to the U of I hospital right here on campus. Uh, sometimes, uh, this last week we made cards for veterans, uh, being veterans, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the month or uh, veterans day coming up. So we'll take those over to the VA. They're just really projects. Uh, it happens from 11 to one the first Monday of every month. And so we tell students you can drop in for 15 minutes or you can drop in for the whole two hours. It's just meant to be an opportunity to engage with students around service during the lunch hour while they're here in between things um, to make it convenient for them to at least have one touch point of service at least once a month if they can't get to any of our other projects we have going on. So then in addition to to make uh, to make Mondays matter, the uh, second Saturday of every month, we host what's called a give, get involved with volunteer experiences, which is actually a former state mandate. Uh, it was a Illinois state legislator mandate that you had to do a service project once a month. It's now no longer a thing. Um, everybody had to do yeah, it. The university had to provide the, something. The university had to provide oh, something, right? Yep, and so that's no longer a state mandate of any kind. Okay. But um, you got, we, we still do it. We still do it. I like the name. And, and again, so we think of that like our liberal arts service project. So we try to pick a different neighborhood and a different type of nonprofit every month to expose students to as many different types and a different many different locations around the city. And so... Um, they can go try it out. If they like it, we'll get them connected long term. If they don't, guess what? Next month we're going to go someplace else. Try again. And then our other big service projects uh, coming up in, in January is our bi- one of our bigger service projects on MLK Day. Sure. So we have an MLK Day of service. We call it a day on, not a day off. No school. Might as well just come and do some service. There's nothing else to do. 
And so um, we're actually real excited to announce this year we'll be doing all of our MLK Day projects in North Lawndale. So Stone Temple uh, Mission Baptist Church is actually where Dr. King was a preacher when he was in Chicago. And okay. so that will be the hub of all of our service projects. So we have a really good relationship with that church coming on two years now. And so then we will go from there to different nonprofits in the North Lawndale community, which is going to hopefully turn into a larger class service learning type thing that will hopefully kick off next fall. So we've been working with uh, a couple colleges on that and then also um, with a couple community agencies on how we can see that out into a long-term partnership with North Lawndale. Uh, and then our other big service project happens in April right around Earth Day and Youth, Youth Services Day, which will be April the 18th this year. That's our UIC Day of Service. So that's where we try to get students, faculty, staff, families, alumni, whoever wants to come and be uh, affiliated with UIC that day. And to, uh, we usually are in about 20 to 30 service sites across Chicagoland in different neighborhoods, different types. So that way students can go in a group on their own whatever they want to do around service on that day. And then we also have our service site that's available all the time, service.uic.edu. Students can sign up on their own. Again, 100 nonprofits that have opted into that site and are posting stuff all of the time. So that's uh, where we navigate most of our service. So what? Um, how, like, how many students tend to be involved in these different projects? I mean, I'm assuming that the... MLK Day of Service and the UIC Day of Service are much larger events, but your Make Mondays Matter or your monthly um, give, how, how many do you typically have and are you looking to attract more students? Are you at capacity? Yeah, any of our Make Mondays Matter, we can definitely grow. I mean, it's really just infinite on people's availability. So we usually average, again, between 30 and 40 people on those days. But again, capacity is really... We can take anybody really on those days. Um, our give events really range on the type of event. Like so, the one last month, we had capacity up for a couple hundred people if we if we if we had the space or the interest. Um, but sometimes, if we're working with the agency and they only have like 15 spots available, then we can only use 15 spots. And so it really just depends on on the give, kind of who we're partnering with. Our MLK Day usually roughly between 175 and 200 students, faculty, staff, friends, alumni. Um, and then our UIC day of services range anywhere from about 250 all the way to 600, just wow. depending on the year. And so yeah, for a couple of years running, we've, we've, we've seen a little bit of a, a plateau, but for a couple of years, we've, we were averaging about a thousand hours of service on both of those on the, uh, on the UIC day of service across uh, what we were doing. Now it's anywhere between 700 and 1,000, just depending on the day, the sites, right? So, it, again, it, we have kind of really zero control over where we're going. It's who reaches out to us, mm -hmm. I'm, right? So once you, you take 700 agencies and we say, we want a service project on this specific day, well, now you're really funneling people sure. down. And then, okay, and then between this time window and these are the types of things that our students would be able to help with, right. you're really starting to narrow down to what you – what you, what's kind of available and then some of those projects range from an hour to four hours right so it really just depends on what people's what community partners needs are that year yeah okay so a second bucket yeah th that you deal with is leadership sure and i know that i asked you to come on the show several weeks ago but you were unable to because you were running a leadership workshop 
um, on Tuesday afternoon. So can you tell me a little bit about that and, and generally about what kind of leadership leadership activities and workshops you offer to UIC students? Yeah, so not all of our students are able to get leadership opportunities through positional leadership in a student org, or they may they may have a positional leadership position, uh, but they may be interested in learning more individually about leadership. And so uh, that's what our office does. We're, we're really focusing on individual leadership development. Um, so the, the course that we just finished up was a six-week course called Ignite, Ignite Leadership Experience, again, for first and second year students who are looking for ways to get engaged. And so the, the, the end product of that is they actually write an individual action plan where they come up with through the, through the different uh, activities that we do through identity. Uh, we do social identity-based uh, stuff. We do stuff on leadership different leadership identities or different leadership assessments to help them understand a little bit about themselves as a leader. Uh, we also do some stuff. Um, again, this is pretty baseline entry level stuff. And so we also talk a lot about values. And so what we try to do through that course is have students align what their personal values are with group values so they can connect with student organizations on campus or potentially commuter or community organizations. Mm -hmm. But our main focus is trying to get them engaged here. And so if I'm really interested in um, animals, there's a called Pup Patrol, um, where they can like go with with dogs, um, and they have uh, young people who may be struggling with reading, where the kids read books out loud to dogs. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, and so like that's one student group called Pup Patrol. Um, again, directly connecting to somebody's values that they do that, and so. Um, that's kind of our 1.0 leadership entry, and we, we we then have a second course called Flashpoint, um, which is more group leading in groups. So this is how you develop other leaders. But then we also talk about concepts related to collaboration. How do I go through conflict? How do I lead people with a common purpose? So that's more like group dynamics versus Ignite is more individual dynamics, okay. understanding your, yourself. Um, and then this this uh, school year, we're actually piloting our, I'll call it, I don't like to use the word capstone for leadership because I don't ever feel like you're done right. developing as a leader. Right. So, uh, But for lack of a better term, we'll call it a capstone leadership experience um, called Leadership UIC, which meets once a month um, for students in their last year before graduation. We're actually are taking them out in community where they're meeting with um, community leaders. So our first month, we actually hosted at John Marshall and Teresa Mintel, who's one of our vice chancellors, uh, her previous life was CEO of the Chicago Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And so we were able to have her talk about her leadership experience. Um, last month, we were in the Illinois Medical District with Dr. Suzette uh, McKinley, who's the CEO of the Illinois Medical District and a UIC alum. So we had a health perspective. Um, the students don't know this, but I'll let it out of the bag. Uh, <laughs> this uh, Not this Friday, but next Friday, they'll be... Um, meeting with President Tony Preckwinkle, so they'll have an hour with her to learn about her leadership journey and her leadership experiences. But then each time we have a CEO or, or somebody who's a, a top-level official, they'll meet with them for an hour, and then we'll go into some kind of leadership development topic to help them translate, okay, I just had my whole UIC experience. What's this going to translate to as I leave the university? And then we also do run a week-long immersion leadership experience called the Leadership Institute, which is a national curriculum we partner with the Leadership Organization to run. So we'll take 60 to 70 students off campus for a week um, and do leadership immersion activities with them. Um, experience that I went through as an undergrad, brought to lacrosse when I was there, brought here, something I really believe in um, the power of. And it's all about 
Um, the premise of the week is imagine the world without any roadblocks or any barriers. What would you want to do to make the world a better place? So then we come up with an action plan to help realize students realize, well, really, the only roadblocks are what you put in place. And yeah. so um, helping them get connected to that. But we do a host of other things. Yeah. Um, we'll work with student organizations and things like that to help them. Uh, we'll do yeah, I was going to ask, you have a program called Leadership on Demand. How often do orgs actually contact your office for help with that? Yeah, I'll say maybe a half a dozen okay. to a dozen a semester. It really just depends. Um, and it's kind of a catch-all, right? So if it doesn't fit into one of these other kind of areas, we'll just call it a Leadership on Demand, knowing that anybody at any point, student orgs, we also have departments, um, both on the academic affairs and student affairs side that will reach out saying, hey, can you come help us with whatever and they'll stumble upon us on our website and say hey we're really interested in whatever we've done some stuff in the summer uh, with high school groups as well that may be here for different experiences on campus so we'll go and do leadership development with them as well so a whole host of things I know. that time. sounds like full time and it's only one of your three buckets that's right all right well let's move on to the third bucket yeah civic engagement i always ask this i asked this of uh, dick simpson when he was on the on in the classroom what is civic engagement? Yeah. Uh, great question. So uh, I'll, I'll translate it into civic learning and democratic engagement. I think that's okay. the term uh, that most, most people don't understand what the difference is. But really, we're, we're talking about le learning, right? So this idea of learning about civics, so uh, how to be an engaged citizen in the context of our office. Mostly the civic engagement bucket is about voting registration, voting registration. Voting registration, education, and participation, along with some advocacy work that we do with the University of Illinois system around Lobby Day, um, those types of things. So, um, Can you explain what Lobby Day is? Yeah, so Lobby Day is a day that the University of Illinois system hosts where students from across the system, so be them at Springfield, Urbana-Champaign, or here in Chicago, um, go down to Springfield to the state legislator and then they'll advocate for issues that are important to the university. So map grants, funding uh, from state legislator. Um, sometimes there are groups that will go from specific colleges on, on different topics of interest, like the school of pharmacy may go down about issues related to prescription medication or uh, medicine may go down on different issues related to health care and things like that. So mm -hmm. uh, we advocate in a lot of different ways with the state legislator. And again, it's a learning opportunity for students to go and to realize that their state legislators are real people. Yeah. Um, right. I think a lot of people think they're these fake people and then they see them and they're like, oh, wow, you really do exist. You're not just this being and the, and the, the people, the, you know, these legislators take time and sometimes up to an hour to meet with students to talk about issues important to them understand where they're from, where those issues come from. So, again, it's different from legislator to legislator, but sure. uh, it's just one aspect about the civic learning part and the democratic engagement. Again, we do a ton of work around this. We've had a, a lot of success. You know, we were just able to double our voting uh, participation effort in the 2018 election compared to the 2014 election. So we, our students participated at 18.9% in 2014, to a 41.1% in 2018. So And so what 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 kind of activities did you do to encourage voter yes, turnout and engagement? Yeah, so we uh I mean, I think it's a number of things, right? I mean, the political climate and, right. and is is one, I mean, right. I call it the X factor, right? We really can't have any control over that. Also in uh just after the 2014 election, a lot of people don't realize, but 
the Illinois state legislator passed a law that all four-year public institutions are required to work with uh, their, their boards of elections are required to have three days of early voting on their campus. So it's oh, really, I didn't realize that was a state law. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually very prescriptive. It says in this building on these days from these times, it's all written out in the law. So, wow. so specifically uh, it's opened the door again for most of our students. It works out well because it's Chicago board of elections. Those who are in Cook County suburb or another county they don't necessarily have the ability to early vote here but city of chicago residents do yeah and so it's a huge opportunity for three days i can just come and vote between class um so that's really helped our effort we saw a huge increase again the first time we had that was in the um 2016 right well it would have been in the chicago election the mayoral election oh, right, right, right. um that would have been chewy garcia and rami Manuel. that okay. was the first time we had mm-hmm. early voting but really in 2016 and i mean if people don't believe it works, I mean, yes, I think it's a host of things, us registering people, us educating or providing resources to help students educate. Um, we do ballot parties through Ballot Ready. Um, we, we use a number of sites to help students learn about different candidates and different issues. Again, we uh, my number one goal is I don't really in my position, I really don't care who you vote for. I just want to make sure that you're getting out there and voting. So we do try to provide we do vet all of our resources to make sure they're as nonpartisan as possible Mm -hmm. and so then we um we help students read those and they can ask questions and we'll kind of explain things but really let them self-discover but uh, if people don't think the early voting is working we went from 41 percent in 2012 which would have been obama and romney Mm -hmm. to 55 percent in 2016 so again below the national average to above the national average you know, 18.9 to 41 point or 41.1%. Again, I think the big X factor is what's going on in the, in the world around the students. But again, making it easy is, is, is a huge, huge perk. I have to say 2018 was the first time I took advantage of early voting on, on campus. Uh, I think prior previously I had, I did like a mayoral early voting, um, like at the local police department or whatever, but I thought, well, we have this service, let, 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 let me do it. And I could not believe how long the line was. I was, and it made me very excited that, that students were, and they didn't just see the line and just leave. They waited in line to vote. And it was, it was just a really heartwarming, exciting thing to see, A, that they could do it so easily and that they were willing to stand in a relatively long line in order to cast their ballot i just found that really exciting yeah i think too the other part is that like peer-to-peer they're doing it right so i and right before the 2018 election i got cornered in my office the student trustee the undergraduate student government president and the graduate student government president bombarded my office i say that like all dramatic but they're like um so we'd like to send an email out to all the students to remind them to vote and i was like great let's see what we can do and when you got, I said, I think you need to email this person. Let's come up with the language. And two days later, we had an all-campus announcement that came out from our three governing student leaders that was not directed or asked for by anybody. It was them on their own realizing, hey, this is important, and we want to tell our peers that we, we have this resource available. And so to me, those are the biggest wins is when we can get students peer-to-peer to do it versus me as – this old guy administrator and I'm not even that old telling them telling them what to do right so uh I wanted to also ask about 
the census. Uh, Kathleen Yang Clayton was on a couple of weeks ago talking about the census. Is that also something that your office will be working with? Yeah, so we're trying to partner with her and her team and um, our larger civic engagement core group as well. Uh, it was actually, again, the same meeting I was in today, we talked about that as well as we're trying to, um, to me, the most important part is educating students and demystifying a lot of the frequently asked questions that people are afraid that what's going to happen when they take the census or who's going to, if I'm not a citizen, what does that mean? Right. And so um, we're really trying to, um, as far as I'm concerned, our most important part is educating and explaining students that they do need to fill it out and what are the consequences if they don't. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're trying to, to do from my point. I'm not an expert in the census, right. but I can help definitely rally students and teach them why why it's important and what are the byproducts of when if they do it or if they don't do it right right so okay so i was looking through uh your resource guide and i came across ignite the conversation which talks about using a ball pit yeah to have civic dialogue you don't have a ball pit in your office i do not have a ball pit can you just briefly explain what the heck that is what's yeah. that about and can i play in the ball pit yeah sure i mean we haven't we set it up on constitution day but it has not made many uh or sorry on national voter registration day uh, it's not made many appearances this semester which is sad because we own this ball pit we should use it more often but no we there, should use it every day we should i mean we should uh there was a, a old youtube video probably 10 years old at this point that were uh soul pancake had set up a, a ball pit in in a, in a urban area and just had two people go in it and randomly talk about things and they had this ball that had conversation starters just to get people to get in this ball pit and talk and for whatever reason i was like infatuated with it i wanted to have my <laughs> own ball pit so i was trying to figure out a way to make it happen and then um i came across this guide it was called ask big questions um, which is a whole dialogue series and they had one on civics and i said what better way to get people to talk about civics than to sit in a ball pit uh, my thinking being immediately de-escalate de-escalates any kind of tension that folks have and unless that, people start throwing the balls at right, each other right right but that the conversation is then all about issues right? right it's like uh what's important to you what's important to your community who are the stakeholders in your community what drives your decision making it doesn't ever talk about political party or political affiliation it's all just getting people talking about issues and having a dialogue right i think most of the time lack of understanding is what causes most conflict and so when people get in and start talking about issues they realize that they're really not that far apart right they're able to kind of see Although we may have slightly different views on this, right, that may drive our our decision making, we're really not all that far apart. And so the dialogue is an important piece of that. So uh, Ignite the Conversation has been around for a couple of years now. Um, if he's listening, I hear uh, Vice Chancellor Tolliver wants to use it for some conversations that he's got coming up just to get students to, to sit in the ball pit with them and talk about issues on campus you but. should see if the provost susan poser wants to use it for her campus conversations i'm sure the faculty would just love a ball pit i think that would be hysterical <laughs> i would like that very much we maybe we should do uh newly named student drop-in hours in a oh, ball pit yeah think how awesome that would yeah. be 
All right. Well, on the awesome ball pit, ignite the conversation. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up because we are out of time. Professor Long, thank you for joining me in the politics classroom. Thank you for the, all the work you do at UIC and all you do for its students. So thanks for coming on and keep up the good work. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take care. Okay, we, please join me next Tuesday in the politics classroom on UIC Radio where music and culture ignite. If there are any topics you would like me to cover, please send me a message on Twitter at Dr. Floros. That's all I've got for this week. I'm Professor Floros. Class dismissed. <laughs>